Welcome to the House of Hoosier podcast. I'm your host, AJ Guyton, with my man, Austin Render. And we are here to discuss last night's win against St. John, 76-74. Good, fun game to watch we just talked about, man. And uh, lots of exciting things to talk about with our, our, our 21-22 Hoosiers. I'd say so. I, Indiana, AJ, has a weird track record uh, with winning late tip games. Uh, mm-hmm. They are incredibly good. When Assembly Hall gets all day to get revved up and energized, uh, they don't lose at home very often when they tip off that late. Uh, mm-hmm. They make all of us stay up really late, but they make it worth it. So uh, that was a that was a really fun game. I guess I, I'll start with this for you. I mean, when you watch that game, it felt more like what you and I were talking about a week ago, where you said you wanted to see less of Trace like post touches and more of him moving around. And it felt like there was a better offensive flow to this game. Yeah. I mean, I thought felt like the game got started exactly the way Indiana wanted it to get started. Uh, it looked it, it got out, they got stops and they got out and they ran, they, they beat St. John's in one of their own games. And that's just getting steals and, and pushing on transition. So the energy was, you know, you talk about, late starts, you know, the crowd is up, the energy is at its highest peak from the crowd standpoint. And you as a player, you have no choice but to feed off of that energy. And and they did that, man, to the tune of, you know, with the, through the game, I think they had 18 uh, fast break points, you know, which is where we, we were talking about. That's that's how you get momentum. That's how you get, you know, opportunities for everybody. You know, we had some some run out threes. We had, uh, you know, we had some, some dunks down the middle of the lane. And, uh, you know, and, and the next step is just sustaining that. But we saw a small peak of, of, of what uh, a good defensive team can do, turning that into offense. So that's what got the energy going early. It does kind of feel like that's what Indiana had been missing for the mm-hmm. past few years is that ability to turn the pace up a little bit. And like you said, it doesn't always start by making your offense faster. It starts on the defensive end. And I thought they had really active hands last night. Yeah, defensively, they were phenomenal early in the first half uh, and all throughout the first half, you know, holding them, I think, to like 23 points, a team that's averaging 105 or something crazy like that, man. And to go out there and suffocate them, you know, and I think, uh, you know, those elements, you know, when you're a team like St. John's that hasn't played in those elements before, you know, I think it took St. John's a little while to wake up and say, all right, we got, this is a different level. These guys are moving at a different clip. So we need to step it up. But, you know, it was all because of Indiana's defense. They didn't allow paint touches. They didn't allow guards to get in there. They didn't allow post uh, post touches. They they just stymied, uh, stymied St. John's defense. And St. John was just relegated to shooting step back twos and threes. And those are low percentage shots. And that's what you want as a defense, step back twos and threes, no paint touches, get the ball and go. And I think Indiana did a great job at that. We saw a little bit of what you prefaced in the last episode where they switched ends defensively and immediately St. John's came out and, and hit a bunch of shots. Now I'm going to, you're going to get credit either way here, either a it's the switching ends or B you tweeted it at halftime and said, watch out for a Mike Anderson team coming out at halftime and they're going to come out with energy. Right. Which one was it? Because either way, you were right. But which way or or was it C, Indiana came out without the necessary energy in the second half? 
Well, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, you're in the locker room at St. John's, you're getting chewed out, and you're going to come out with phenomenal energy. But then in Indiana, what if you look at our season, we are being outscored 119 to 107 in the second half. And that's what playing two mediocre opponents and a, and a solid opponent. So that's a scary stat. That means either we're not communicating or losing energy, which we did defensively in the second half, or we just not focused coming out of halftime. And with the way that college basketball is set up, I doubt if those coaches aren't getting those guys focused in the second half when they come out. So I'm leaning towards we got to find talk, we got to find energy, and we got to find leadership in the second half defensively or Mike Wilson got to switch this thing around because uh, those stats don't lie when we're being outscored by 12 through through the season. So, But, you know, Mike, uh, when you're a pressing team and you're a team like St. John's, even though they lost one of their better players, you just knew as, you know, as a player that they're going to they're going to make a run. That's just what the game is. And just how quickly you can stymie those runs determines how close they get to you. And fortunately for Indiana, what happened was they, they uh, St. John's made a run and the offense just slowed down to a halt. We stopped. We didn't get any fast break points. Now we're going to go throw it. I heard the commentator say it. Uh, we get, Jackson Davis needs to get a touch every time. You're, you are correct, but it's not in the same spot where he should get a touch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm cool with that. So, you know, they start double teaming him hard. He started passing from the shoulder, got a few tipped, which led to opportunities for St. John. So uh, they, they just have to really, really focus on that in the coming weeks. And that's, that's, that's what you do as a, as a coaching staff. You look at those things and say, all right. I remember back in the day, I think that's why Cream them used to hold up signs. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Back in the day, like, because they're away from you. They're going to hold those signs up and say, this is the play they're running. And trust me, nobody reading during the game. Like I'm not, <laughs> not reading as a as a player during the game. I'm focused on not getting uh not, not uh, doing my defensive assignment. So it's a little bit of both, and I think that uh, they need to really pay attention to that because that is a scary stat. Because you can even equate that to being not not being in shape. Are you in shape to bring enough energy in the second half? Typically, in the beginning of the season. You're you're not you know in game shape. That doesn't come until about the eighth, ninth, tenth game of the season, where now you're playing both ends forty minutes if the opponent is equal. I will say, every time St. John's tied the game, there was an answer from Indiana. Mm-hmm. They had stretches where they struggled, and St. John's turned a seven point deficit into a tie game, but they never took the lead. And Indiana always found a way to hit a big shot. And I thought one of the most unsung heroes that second half and the television broadcast pointed it out. Jordan Geronimo was fantastic. He only played, I think, eight or nine minutes in this game, but he scored seven points. He hit a big three pointer, had a great little reverse layup along the baseline. I thought he brought really good energy into that game. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, George Geronimo pretty much saved Indiana when it comes to uh, making that three. And the three is one of those threes where you're as a coach, if he missed it, he's coming out. Yeah. If he made it. He was the hero and he shot it in rhythm and he knocked it down. And I, and it kept uh, St. John's from extending their lead. And then he hit a base. He hit the reverse. And he had another shot. So I think he saved, and it, you need that. You need guys, different guys to come in that. And I'm sure George Geronimo was not a guy that was highlighted on St. John's, uh, you know, their preparation. 
So you need guys like that. I know Coach Knight used to have Todd Leary and used to have just guys that that were came in and saved the day uh, that weren't, you know, Luke Jimenez when I played, you know, just God can, can he, we know can play that, that will hit crucial baskets and make crucial passes and make crucial defensive plays at the right time. And I think George Geronimo was the hero for that night, even though Trace Jackson Davis did his thing, uh, you know, uh, race Thompson did his thing. He was solid. And, but you no, know, you need that moment when they, they're bearing down on TJD, he came in and knocked it in rhythm and, and that kept in the end. And that's what you want when you're playing against a top, a good team. I'm not saying St. John's was, you know, a top 15, 10 or 10 teams. They, they have some holes in their game when it comes to physicality and playing and, and being able to rebound the basketball and being able to play under control. So they have their issues as well when, that, they will, that they'll improve throughout the season. But you need to be able to stymie those runs. Indiana did an excellent job at stymieing runs last night. Let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Beth Rivers yet, now's the time because they're offering a $250 match bonus for our first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one play to turn your money into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With football season kicking off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, one person I want to get into here that we saw a lot of in the second half, and, and another one where you probably didn't expect it either team going into the game was the amount of minutes that Christian Lander got in the second half. He was playing a lot, and I thought he improved each minute that he was in the game. When you take a look back at what you saw from Christian Lander yesterday, what impressed you about the poise that he brought into the game? Yeah, yeah. I, when, I, when I saw him come in the game, I was like, ooh, I don't know if you want to throw this kid in, in this type of game right now. This could go either way. And it started off, he struggled a little bit defensively early, uh, got a couple cheap fouls. But I, I saw the strategy from Coach Woodson. You can't play your backup point guard too long. He needed somebody else to come in since uh, Xavier was in foul trouble. He needs somebody else to come in and play some more minutes. So he got better as the game went along. I think what helped him is he drove to the rim and he threw the little left hand uh, shot in. He saw the ball go through the rim. And for most athletes today, that's all you need to see is the ball go in the rim. He did. And then he was solid from that point forward. And what I'm trying to understand, and I'm watching very closely as what Coach Woodson is doing, is trying to figure out why that's not happening more often, throwing him in there. Because, I mean, as much as everyone's waiting on uh, Rob Fennessy to be who he they expect him to be, he's very inconsistent at times. And you need a point guard next year as well. So we need to be able to develop this kid and look at him and see. So at the end of the year, he can evaluate uh, you can evaluate and see if he's the point guard of the future. And, uh, you know, I think he still has a ways to go and grow to, and he can still become the point guard of the future. But we have to be, give him more minutes like that earlier in the game to, to help him uh, develop. I thought that when fantasy came in the game, it was way too much dribbling. Way too much dribbling, and, and the ball needs to move. The ball cannot stick, and it stymies our offense. So I like what I saw with Christian, even though I was a little afraid when they put him in at that moment. 
Because against a team like St. John's, who suffocates you defensively, that could go either way. You could have killed his confidence, but it worked in his favor. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play more minutes next game. I thought one thing he did, and and now I didn't play basketball at the level anywhere near of what most people do. But when I was always, you mean the hyper wasn't at our level? (laughs) (laughs) My middle school basketball days. I was always told to beat the press, you have to pass through the press. You can't dribble through a press. Mm-hmm. But I did think that Christian Lander's speed was kind of an asset to where he could just flat out dribble through the press. Yeah, He just kind of took the ball up the floor and said, I'm just going to get it across the timeline. And I thought he did a really good job of that. Another Absolutely. thing, I uh, observation, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. It felt like, Woodson brought him into the game and said, go be ultra aggressive defensively. Uh And almost as if he didn't care if he picked up those three fouls because he's only going to play them for a few minutes. Is that something that coaches do? They, They put somebody in the game and they don't really care if they foul because they're not planning on having them in there for that long. I mean, I I doubt if Woodson said that, but, you know, I think you're correct when you say that it didn't matter. I mean, you have five to give, you weren't in the bonus, well, you did get in the bonus, but uh, he used them. Uh, and, and, and sometimes when guys beat you, you need to use your file. You don't let them go. You know what I mean? You don't, because it puts pressure on your back line to get them in foul trouble. So I thought that, he, you know, because the game was moving so fast, it just took those two fouls for him to adjust to the speed of the game and, and, and the players he was playing against. Like people don't understand that these guys are fast. Like you, these guys are quick. You've been sitting there, you know, for 20 something game minutes and somebody calls your name. That's what being professional and, and being ready is all about. It's about going in there and say, all right, I got about two minutes where I need to feel this game out and, and see how quick these guys are, how quick they're moving and adjust to it. Because, you know, I'm probably outside of Garden Xavier Johnson in practice. Nobody's really moving this fast. And then with the pressure of the elements around me, that adds to, you know, my need to concentrate. So, like I said, I thought he did adjust to it. And when you talk about him breaking the press, you break the press with the pass, you can break the press with the dribble. You just have to be smart. You have to, and you have to pick your spots. You can't do the same thing every time. And I think he picked his spots. He moved it when he needed to move it. And then sometimes it's just you and that person in front. You just got to beat that guy. There's no, let's hit the middle and let's go to the corner. And no, you just be, you play basketball. That's what coaches mean. Like they don't want you to be a robot. And which he, you know, you know, has a tendency to do because he hasn't played a lot of minutes. You want that ball to move. You want, or you just use your physical, natural God-given ability to beat the press. Okay, I want to talk about Xavier Johnson because he got in some early foul trouble. Didn't play as much in this game. I think he finished with 15, 16 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, When you got in foul trouble, not saying that you ever did. Maybe you were the perfect defender and you never fouled anyone. Um, But if you ever did get in foul trouble. What was Coach Knight's message to you when you'd get on the floor, maybe first half with two fouls or second half with three or four fouls? Did you have to play the game differently? Absolutely, because you know, we just talked about the speed of the game. We talked about there are situations you get caught up in that you just can't help. He, I think his uh, second foul, he was just going after the ball, and the guy, he just bumped into the guy, and it's, it's a, the guy flops, it's a foul. So, you know, um, I mean, there's it's just it's what coaches do. You get your second file, you come out. And uh, but, you know, your mindset has to be when you're a guy that you want to play, you be ultra aggressive as you, as you can at first until you get that first file. 
And if you're a guy that plays a lot of minutes, like Trace Jackson Davis plays a lot of minutes, Ray Thompson, and I'm sure Xavier Johnson will. And, and once you pick up that first cheap kind of cheap foul, then you have to just play contained defense. You have to contain the basketball. You can you can take you can gamble on passes if you see your 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 instincts tell you that a pass is coming. You can go try to get that, but you can't be a guy that's just attacking people going after basketballs if, if you're that important. So and then and when you come out in the second half, you still have one more foul to 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 be aggressive and you pick it up. Now you have to sit back a little bit and just play contained defense. As one of the main players, when I played, I just couldn't get in foul trouble. I think I got in foul trouble one game my senior year, and that was against Temple. And, uh, you know, coach was just, he just was like, hey, you cannot do that. And I was like, yep. Yeah. It was just incidental. I wasn't trying to get fouls, you know what I mean? I'm just going after the basketball, bumping to somebody, that kind of thing. Catch a blocking foul, trying to move my feet, that kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, there's really it, – it, it's really standard as to what Xavier – but you open up the door for a guy like Christian Lander to get an opportunity. I would imagine with the flow of the game, it was hard for Xavier to get into said flow, mm-hmm. being in and out of the game so much and on the bench so much and – uh it has to be tough. I don't know. You, you say you're not in foul trouble very often, but mm-hmm. when you're a guy like Xavier, who is normally out there for good chunks of the game and all of a sudden you're coming in for three minutes and you pick up a foul and you go into the bench for 10 minutes and then you come right. back in for a couple minutes, you pick up a foul, you go back to the bench that it, it just felt like last night there was never a great point guard play moment for Indiana. It just kind of mm-hmm. felt like they never had that. Yeah, they struggled with that 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 position yesterday. Uh, uh, Lander came in and kind of just stabilized it for a few minutes, but I just felt like Xavier. I, I think I tweeted out that he needs to learn when he's. I think he's just moving way too fast offensively. Yeah, you're quick, but this isn't ACC. This isn't you know this ain't, this is not going to be that type of game. You have to know when in the first half. You're pushing that tempo. And we talked about that last week. I loved it when you push that tempo and you move. But yesterday, I think at the last one of the last plays of the game, he was moving too fast and almost turned it almost turned the basketball over in a crucial moment. And I was like, he has to understand when, because you also pick up offensive fouls with that. You know, you get out of control. I think he had four turnovers yesterday in the limited minutes that he played. And so that he has to really understand that this type of basketball is going to be different once you get into the Big Ten conference season. You can play that up tempo style. They're not it's not as um, it's not as stellar uh, preparation as it is going to be in a Big Ten to where they're going to know exactly what you're trying to do when you get into that action. So he has to start understanding being quick and not fast, you know, you know, not being in a hurry slow down so I think it just took everybody out of rhythm because now Mike Woodson has to play fantasy a long time he had to take him out but Lander did a good job of just just stabilizing it for just a second let's chat about Tamar Bates because he was the obviously the trendy guy coming into the season like this guy is going to be good he's got so many skills and he put him on display last night. I thought he was tremendous uh, in the time. And he's a great energy bunny for this team, just kind of coming off the bench. What What's your takeaway from him? What stands out to you? And what do you see as just a freshman that will allow him to potentially be one of those star players? I mean, the first thing I noticed is that he's, he's not afraid. So, you know, he'll take the shots when he's necessary. 
Um, and he took he she, he got into the into the mid range. He knocked a couple mid range shots down. Drove to the basket. You know, uh, I think the next step for him is focus. Continue to lock in on the game. You know, when I see freshmen, you know, talking to referees and you know trying to get an explanation after every call. You know, as a freshman, you know, you 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 want to you're adjusting to a much uh, faster and stronger game. So you 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 your focus needs to be. All right, defensively, I need to continue to improve, which is an area he needs to continue to improve in. Because I see him as a guy that can get in the passing lane, get play, make get steals, you know, get the ball out the backboard, push it, throw it ahead, follow it up, trail threes. I can see that process coming. Uh, but you know, uh, his energy is in. He has an infectious attitude that uh, you know I think it permeates through the team. And but you know, I think early on he just needs to continue to focus on those on on, on filling out the game and making sure that he's doing his part defensively and that he's bringing energy to the team offensively. I think he did that last night. It feels like we're at the point where, so I heard this thing yesterday um, that sometimes Trace Jackson Davis fills up the stat sheet, but they're almost empty points or empty production and the team struggles. He puts up 27, but the team only puts up 57 and they lose the game. Mm-hmm. It felt like last night was almost the opposite where he led the team with 18 points, but it didn't feel like he was dominating the game in the way that he does sometimes. And it was almost a good thing because when you look back at last night, I think, yeah, Trace had a great game, but I think about Jordan Geronimo. I think about Miller cop had a great game. I thought race Thompson played really well. Trace isn't the immediate, yeah, he was the guy last night, which I think is the right step for this team, right? Yeah, I think he did a good job last night, especially early of sharing the wealth. I think they were throwing it into him and he was he was getting his head high. He was whipping his shoulders around. And he was making the right pass and he was getting guys open shots. And 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 what that's what you want to do as one of the best players. I wish I and I look back at my career, I was like, I should have did that even more. Uh, was to get other guys involved because at the end of the day, they're going to key and continue to key on Trace. Trace, and he has to continue to get Miller Cop going, get Race Thompson going, get uh, Tamar Bates going, and he did that by by getting uh, getting. But then he started to attack offensively. He started to make moves. He started to uh, quick moves. I think him and the other center got the jaw a little bit. It kind of woke him up a little bit. But the thing about Trace, he's in college, he's always going to have numbers because he simply plays hard. Like he runs hard. He goes out the block shots. He rebounds every night. He finishes at the rim. He's going to put pressure on your other big to get to not get in foul trouble. So he's whether they they win by 10 or they lose by 10, he's going to get his numbers. When I, the number, the, the stat I look at always is his assists to see if he's if he uh, if he's kicking it out, getting guys involved. And the number that you can't see is his hockey assists to see if his pass is leading to an assist. You know, and uh, that's the number I'm looking for. Also, his free throw shooting is because he's going to get to the line. Is he going to cost us possessions because he's only shooting 60 percent from the three free throw line as opposed to what he shot last year? So, you know, I think he did a good job in, in, his, in his energy and showing energy. And when you got a guy like him, you know, he comes out and he comes and he shows your team and his players that you're not afraid. We're out here to compete. We're out here to win. I'm the best player. And I'm showing I'm bringing these guys with me. I think he did that good. He did that well early, which is why they got off to a good start. 
I think there's few people on this team that feed off of the energy of Assembly Hall more than than Trace. That mm-hmm. guy seems to just be in his element in a mm-hmm. packed Assembly Hall. You bring up the free throws. We're almost half an hour into this, so I guess we got to talk about couple of the things that were problematic last night. It starts at the free throw line. Trace on the season is 56% from the free throw line. As a team, they shot 53% yesterday, 10 of 19. That's an, it's an issue. And it, it, it doesn't appear to have been magically fixed with a new head coach. And I think you talked about this last time. The only way you fix that is just by shooting it it's not really a mike woodson thing this is a player thing right it's a player thing man shooting free throws is is something that you don't coaches don't talk about it a lot because you it does something you don't want to become mental you know it's going to be the the media and, and everybody who looks at the stats at the end of the game believe me the coaches see it and they're like man to themselves we got to get better at this we got to make free throws just like shooting we got to get better at this we got to we got to make uh we got to make jump shots you know you it's something that you just don't want to make mental but you have to you have to figure out a way to focus on it by taking time out at the beginning of practice and the end of practice for, for, for the guys that just shoot 50 free throws, make 50 free throws. I always say make 50 free throws and, and, and start to, because at the end of the day, that's going to, especially on a road, it's going to hurt you if you're going to continue to shoot those low percentages, get to the line, and then end up with empty possessions. Uh, and then with the three-point shooting, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it started off hot early, but we had a, a plethora of open looks that we just clanked, you know, just this wasn't close. And I'm like, oh, that helps, you know, it, it, and, and it comes with some of the the roar of the crowd and the size of the crowd, you know, when you miss and you continue to miss and they just get exasperated. You're like, dang. So, you know, you got to figure out a way. Then your next option is I got to get to the line, get to the basket. Then you get to the line, get to the basket and miss. So this all plays into helping St. John's get back into this basketball game. And we have to improve in that area. And, you know, it's something that we have time to improve in, but you don't want this to become a chronic problem. Yeah, I know you always say you never listen to the crowd. You tried to tune them out because you were locked in. But I feel like it's human nature. You miss a couple free throws and you do hear that collective sigh of 17,000 people in Assembly Hall. And they're not meaning to be negative, but Mm -hmm. I think it's just like that instant reaction of oh dang it yeah, yeah and you have to sense that as a player right i mean yeah so it just depends who you are i, I didn't like i'm gonna shoot the next one like because yeah, i always believed the next one was going in uh but you you know you you it's not even the sigh of the crowd it's the score it's just like oh you know you're looking up okay they creep they're getting closer they're getting closer so we gotta make a play and that's what defensively, offensively, and then when you make the play and then you go to the line, you, I think, fantasy missed both free throws. I'm like, oh, or Xavier Johnson missed that first free throw at the end of the game. That's that that can weigh on a player mentally. Uh, but, you know, it's just something that's part of it, man. That's that's what makes having a crowd back in there. Uh, when you talk about, you know, these bubble uh, championships and these, these, these crowdless games, it hurt Indiana last year not to have a, a assembly hall full, you know, because 
you know, that pressure is different when nobody's in the gym and you're clanking and you're missing and you just continue to go downhill because something positive could happen and the crowd could get back into it, which will bring you energy for that next offensive play. And I think that's what, you know, the plan in Assembly Hall does for guys. It can work against you in certain situations, but you just have to make a play and, uh, you know, in order to get that crowd back into your into the grace and get that energy back going. Sometimes I think you athletes are programmed like robots because I, I can't even think about ignoring 17,000 people yelling at me. That that seems like it'd be distracting. But you guys are you guys know what you're doing. Um, the other issue is turnovers, 16 of them in this game. How much of that do you attribute to the fact that this is a defense that is going that's designed to turn you over? That, that's what St. John's does is they they are going to put that pressure on you, maybe more so than a lot of teams will see, but Indiana certainly didn't handle it well at times, especially in the second half. I mean, I think we, we, we turned it over. We look at it six turn six turnovers of a half would be 12. And uh, I think that's about the highest that I would have accepted as a coach. Like, okay, these guys are pressing us all the time. They're sp- trying to speed us up. They're making us do things that we we're trying to make us do things that we, we really don't want to do. Uh, so I, I would have stayed, I would have been okay with the number 12, 16 is a little high, uh, when it comes to turnovers, man. So I think, like I said, Xavier Johnson had four of them. I think race Thompson had four of them. That's eight, you know, that's eight of the, that's half of the 16 trace Jackson. Davis is going to have two or three turnovers. He's going to play a lot of minutes. He's going to make some, he's going to make some mistakes. That's what we do. And, uh, but those turnovers from those guys that play low minutes, those are the ones that we have to, to, to try to eliminate to keep it where we're, we're going to be. And we just can't, at this point of the season, you just can't expect, you know, perfection. This is the first team they played against that switch defenses every other possession that, you know, they, they make you think. And, and a lot of teams, it, it makes them it, that pressure and not knowing what to run, looking over at the coach makes them uncomfortable. But Indiana handled it well last night and uh, 16 turnovers. I'm not surprised that that's happened early, but you're right. We got to get that number down as, as the season wears on. It got to get lower and lower and lower. The statement's not original by any means, but the best the best way to attack or to beat the press is to make them pay for said right. press mm-hmm. and get buckets out of it. Because if mm-hmm. you can break the press and you've got a three on two break and Indiana did a really good job, especially early mm-hmm. getting some spot up threes out of that look. Yeah. Uh, and Miller cop Parker Stewart, a couple of guys who needed to see the ball go through the basket were able to do that. I'm sure when you turned the ball over, Bob Knight was super nice and kind to you when you came to the bench. And he, he probably loved uh, being able to use that as a teaching moment. Very yeah. kind words, probably. Right. Now, yeah, I think, uh, you know, at this point of the season, uh, he's going to be a little kinder than it will at the middle of the season. Because you're just, like I said, it's the first team that's, that's put this type of pressure on you. So you're, the coach Wilson's trying to figure out who his press breakers are as well as we are watching. He doesn't know. They don't press each other in practice. I mean, they may did to prepare for this game, but it's a way different atmosphere when it's a 17-5 in the crowd and it's and the team is, is somebody different. So, you know, like I said, it was a good gauge. I think he's going to look at the film and say, oh, we did a good, we did a solid job, which I think they did, especially early. They were aggressive, but the problem is as the game tightened up in the second half, as they made their run, now we're going to shot fake those threes that we took earlier. And that's what we were talking about earlier. I mean, on the last podcast, it's like, you got to take those shots. I mean, and I think Mike Woodson has to be okay with that. 
especially at home. Maybe on a road, you might pull the string a couple times where you were going to take the shot, depending on what the score is. You're up, you take that shot. You're up by 8-10, you take that shot. You're up, you're up by 4 or 6, you pull the string and say, all right, we're going to get the best shot. Because we, in order to get that confidence from a Parker Stewart, he's going to have to shoot transition threes because he's just not going to get them in the, in the half-court offense. That the, the, the defense, unless they double trace and he gets open. Uh, same with Miller Cobb. Uh, you're going to have to take those threes. That, and that that wasn't necessarily a great three that George Geronimo took. Because mm-hmm. the dude, the guy was contested. He was right yeah. there, but it was rhythm, and he took it, and he made it. That's what makes, that's what creates the confidence in a player. So we got to take those shots. We scored 76 points. You think this game would have been up in the 80s, in the upper 80s, you know, but the second half we're getting outscored. And we're not scoring. So we got to continue to take those looks. It's going to continue to score more points for us and give us a better chance to win. But I'm trying to watch Coach Woodson and see what type of coach he is and if he's going to be okay with those kind of shots. Well, I'd say last season and even years before that, Indiana loses a lot of games like this. And credit to Indiana for finding a way to win. I think these are two tournament teams. I really do. And I think Mm -hmm. this is going to be a solid win that Indiana has in its back pocket going forward. And, and we'll see. We'll see where they go from here. But this was, this was a really solid win for Indiana. I thought it was a solid win. I thought it was a great test. I'm glad this first test was at home because mm-hmm. I, I believe they used that, that energy and that enthusiasm from the home crowd to help propel them. Uh, you know, you don't want this to be your first game on the road because this could have came out a different way. Now they can go on the road or in a neutral site and they have this type of game under their belt. So, you know, St. John's, I think, will be a tournament team. You know, I can see them finishing in the middle of the Big East. Uh, solid, you know, they just, you know, they, they're aggressive. They have a good coach, a coach that hasn't had a, a, a record below 500 in, in, in his history. So, you know, he's just a winning guy. He's, he has recruits winning guys. So they're going to be a solid program, you know, but, you know, this is not, uh, you know, what they call it, a quad one win or wow, whatever they call that kind of stuff. Probably you know, quad two for quad this two one. Win. Okay. Yeah. It's just a solid win, man. And I, and I'm proud of uh, the, what, what I saw out there. I saw progression. I saw, you know, I saw uh, them started to change the identity and the culture of the team and show people that, yeah, Coach Woodson is, 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 has an idea of what he wants this team to look like. They're starting to come into form. They're nowhere near where they need to be. They need to shore up their second halves. They need to shore up their turnovers. They need to shore up their free throw shooting. And then, you know, you, you can see what type of team this is going to be. So I'm excited about what I saw. Well, we were told that Mike Woodson couldn't recruit in the college game, and he's done that. And then we were told, well, we're not sure if he can coach in the college game. And he, so far, I, I'd say he's doing that. And uh, Mike Woodson continuing to uh, prove the national doubters wrong. Good start for Indiana, 3-0 and and a win over St. John's. AJ, any final thoughts before we wrap her up? Man, just continue to get better. I think uh, I think the Hoosier Nation should be happy with they with what they saw in the first three games. Obviously, like we said, a lot of improvement. But you know, stay positive. I think they have a plan. I see that the team getting better defensively. I see the team getting better in transition. I see the team, the bench score 20 points. I see the bench being a nice asset coming in, uh, you know, especially going into the, because I always look at the Big Ten season. The the, the preseason games are, are, are just, I mean, the pre-conference games are just different, you know, because every, the, you know, the, the scouting is different. 
everything is just different. So you get to see an exciting version of Indiana and we have to see what we can carry over into the big 10 season. So let's, let's keep, let's stay with our Hoosiers and, and I'm excited about what I see. Well, they're back in action Sunday against Louisiana, Jackson state and Marshall next week. And it's November 30th when things start to ramp up a little bit, Syracuse, Nebraska, and Wisconsin with two of those on the road. Mm. Uh, they're November 30th into the first week of December. So We'll, we'll hopefully get somebody in my box over here that's not me. Next week, we've got some great guests lined up. We'll keep, we'll keep the episodes firing. AJ, thanks so much for, uh, for hopping on. Hoosiers with a big win. We'll talk to you later.